0: The Cincinnati Toy Show. Run by James Ford and CTS Promotions, the show premiered in 2009 at the Sharonville Convention Center. It began as an event focused on vintage toys and gave enthusiasts an opportunity to hunt for items they had as children. It was a meeting place for collectors to connect with one another and to share their passion for pieces from the past. Cincinnati is also the former home of Kenner the company that produced the first Star Wars toys. And every October, Star Wars fans and collectors from across the country and beyond make their annual pilgrimage to Cincinnati for the Toy Show Weekend. There's so much to do that makes a weekend like this worthwhile. Local collectors will often open their homes for meetups and tours of their personal collections. And visitors will gather for memorable meals in between events. And they'll put some time aside to explore well-curated toy shops like the Toy Depot, and to see some of the Kenner-related sites like the company's former headquarters. And of course, there's always the possibility of finding a vintage Star Wars prototype at one of the antique malls around the Cincinnati area. And continuing the Cincinnati tradition, collectors meet up the night before the show for room sales, where they can buy, sell, and trade rare prototypes and production pieces from many different toy lines. This year brought another welcomed addition to the weekend. The Great Ohio Toy Show, located about an hour from Cincinnati in Xenia, Ohio, featured more than 600 tables of vintage and modern memorabilia. And with the Xenia show happening on Saturday and Cincinnati show on Sunday, vendors and shoppers were able to experience the best of both events. This is part one of a look at the Cincinnati Toy Show Weekend. This is a conversation with some of the collectors who traveled to Cincinnati in hopes of returning home with a few new Star Wars items and some meaningful memories. This is the opportunity to travel alongside those who are there and to see the weekend through their eyes. This is the best of Cincinnati. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and production. this year's Cincinnati Toy Show weekend? To be honest, I really don't know. I didn't travel out to Cincinnati this year for the event. Leading up to the weekend, a surprisingly larger number of regular attendees announced they weren't going as well. And there were likely a variety of reasons for this. With a healthy selection of meetups and shows earlier in the year, many simply did not have the vacation time to return to Cincinnati in the fall. The cost of travel has risen substantially, which could also have been a factor for a lower attendance. And collectors may simply be experiencing a bit of fatigue after the sugar rush of the collecting market over the past two years had started to wear away. Regardless, a number of our friends planned on venturing out to Cincinnati, and I was excited to hear about their adventures and their thoughts on the weekend. But the weekend came and went, with very little fanfare. Usually, collectors post photos and moments from wherever they are to their social media pages. And if you're not there in person, this pastiche of posts helps to piece together the events across the weekend, giving you, at the very least, a general idea of what transpired but there was very little information this time. A friend joked that it was due to the absence of Narayan Nike, the community's leading visual reporter. He takes a lot of photos during trips like this, and we love him for that. Between a Friday night photo from a brew pub, a room sales shot, and a few random pictures from the show on Sunday, that's really all the rest of us had. I was curious to hear about the weekend that I love, that I miss this year. I wanted to know how it compared to previous Cincinnati trips, what the show and the room sales were like, what kinds of items showed up for sale, and how the addition of the Xenia Toy Show affected the flow of the weekend. So I decided to contact a few collectors who had been there to hear about their experiences in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And frankly, I think what they had to say was fascinating and interesting enough for longer conversations in a series that will run for the next few episodes. So today, you and I will be speaking with two wonderful gentlemen I'm honored to call friends. The first is Oregon's Dan Uthman, a sports writer for The Athletic, a Disney aficionado, and collector of vintage Star Wars figures. And the second is Wisconsin's David Kevin White, who many of you may know as Jimmy Tupac, as he collects Tupac figure sets from the Return of the Jedi era. If you don't know them already, you're about to get to know them pretty quickly. As always, I've saved you a seat next to me. I'll go get Dan, and you can get yourself your favorite beverage, and we'll begin our series to find out what this year's Cincinnati weekend was truly like. So pull up a chair and let's discuss Kenner Country with Dan and David. Dan, it is a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, first of all, happy birthday. I know this is a very special one. Uh, so happy birthday to you. I hope uh, the week's been good for you so far. And for anyone who's looking to uh, to get Dan a gift, he said uh, in lieu of presents, he's just looking for um, unproduced droids and Ewoks prototypes. So you can just send them directly to him. That'd That's be fine.
1: Yeah, that'd be really, very
0: thoughtful. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I'm glad. Okay. Yeah, That those, those are easy to find yes, too, so no problem. Absolutely. <laughs> So my friend, how was Cincinnati for you?
1: It was great. I was there for quite a while. Um I did have some work crop up at times like there were some people I was with who were like, "Why are you on your phone and why is your Slack keep beeping?" But I was able to com- <laughs> compartmentalize that enough um that it didn't get in the way of a lot of really cool experiences over essentially Wednesday through Sunday. Um so that was quite a while I was there, but I got to go, you know. There were two shows. That's what made this weekend a little bit different. There was also a Cincinnati Toy Museum unveiling that also made this weekend a little bit different um, than maybe previous years. Um, so in terms of turnout, it wasn't like it was in 2021 um, in, in terms of like our friends like showing up and everything. But it still was one that had a lot of special moments and new things to see that will make it you know, very memorable for the, for the long term.
0: Was there anybody that you met this time, maybe somebody that you knew uh, previously but maybe didn't know them that well, that you really connected with during this trip?
1: Well, uh, you know, Ryan Lemko and I are close friends, and he and his brother have a new museum uh, that we've all seen on social media, and frankly on Cincinnati local television, it's been featured as well. Um, so, like people like Steve Dwyer were there, and Sam Sam's was around. Um, you know, I knew Glenn really well from from the past, but we got to spend good time together. Um, and so, from among those people, like there were a lot of people. You know, the the, the group from Canada, like Chris Porteous and Jim McCullough and Toby Black. Like we got to spend a lot of really good time together. And I hadn't really been with those guys in person before, certainly on chats and things like that. But to be able to go around and drive around and, and uh, be with them was really cool. Um, I had some quality time with Kim Simmons uh, in Ohio where uh, you know – I'm a collector of transparencies. Uh, and I have three fairly bulky binders. They don't really work for – um, airplane carry-ons or or I would never put them in luggage like you never know what could happen um, but I got a sort of slimmer portfolio before the trip like an 11 by 14 that my pages could slide out of one binder into another and I just wanted to take things to Kim from my collection that I wasn't sure of what their story was right like um, what is a transparency used for so Most of mine were used for Toy Fair catalogs or for box art, right? Like, you know, the picture that you see on the Death Star or the Snowspeeder or the Ewok Village, right? There is a acetate, um, very high-res image. Um, it's, It's not a negative slide, although those do exist, and I have some of those too, but this is a positive slide. So if you put it on a projector and put it on a white wall like you're gonna see like this beautiful color rendering of you know the packaging art or some sort of image from a toy fair catalog usually they range from four to four by five size to eight by ten size there's some slides as well um but that's what sort of a transparency is and they were used from you know 1978 through uh you know I mean, gosh, there's some from the nineties, obviously like now everything's kind of photoshopped, but, but they were a big part of the packaging and marketing of the toys and selling of the toys for throughout the star Wars line.
0: So you, you got, you had the chance to share your collection with Kim Simmons, who is, uh, who was the photographer of a lot of the, the Kenner, Kenner packaging art. Exactly.
1: So I, I, curated kind of a binder down, um, like a portfolio. And um, some of the ones that I have are images that were shot around the early bird time. Like if you look at the early bird envelope, you know, you know, the sort of the John Hamm art on the front and on the back, there's a yellow backed image of what the envelope looks like unfolded. So I have a four-by-five transparency that was used for that image on the back of the envelope. Now, the interesting thing was that Kim did not have a high-res image of that transparency. So I was there with him. You know, we, we visited a little bit, and I talked to him a long time at the Cincinnati Toy Show on Sunday. But I was able to, you know, he, he was thumbing through my book. And he says, hey, this is one I don't have and, and, and I need. So I was able to see him scan, you know, watch him take this transparency out of my book, slide it in a scanner, and, and I mean, it's a 4 by 5 image that he turns into like a 700 megabyte image. It's that high res. Like, the Luke and Leia and R2-D2 are, you know, I don't know, a half a centimeter tall maybe on the 4 by <laughs> yeah. 5 trans jersey, and he blew it up Ryan. to six inches, and there was no loss. Like, it was incredible. Um Yeah. So, so that was pretty neat to share with him something that, you know, share back with him. And we kind of left it as now my assignment over the rest of this fall is to take images of all of my cell phone pictures. Like they're not gonna be high res, believe me, but I'm just going to take cell phone pictures of everything I have. And he's going to thumb through and say, Okay, I need this one, this one, this one, this one, and and anything that he doesn't have in high res form, he wants to scan back in so that he has as complete a collection as possible. you know and how can you say no? like he's the creator of all of this, so I'm happy to and honored to be able to help um, him do that.
0: I think it's really special too that you know he provided these wonderful images that really molded our childhoods and, and our view of Star Wars and collecting. And then now you're you have an opportunity. You're in a position to be able to help him, essentially complete his set mm-hmm. uh, or work to complete it, and uh, and and you're able to help him with something that he doesn't have. So really nice. So I'm, I'm glad you guys had that connection yeah, uh, during great. the Cincinnati weekend. It was great. Um,
1: yeah, and then you know, so uh, you know, Ryan and Sean have a have a toy museum now that they've just opened. It's a toy museum and buying center, and it's I think I counted up maybe eight or nine rooms um in an in an, an office park kind of setting. Um and again, like I would encourage anybody, like set up an appointment if you're in the area, it's worth it. Like you have to see like, yes, there are three rooms full of carded figures, right? In acrylic cases. But there's a complete line of swamp thing pre-production. And there are 30 mask first shots, right? <laughs> And, um you know, there are all these mock ups and balsa wood models of things that Kenner made and didn't make um you know room after room of this stuff, so being able to see that and you know it, be one of the first people to see it was amazing um you know they there were a couple tours, I think probably twenty people between the two tours were able to just hang around that space for you know two hours or three hours um and that made it you know. That alone, like if I'd gone home the next day, I'd been like, well, that was really cool. Like, What a, what a worthwhile trip. But then on, on top of that, this was a unique weekend in that they had two big toy shows on back-to-back days, which for a seller, that's a challenge, right? How are you going to set up at both? Or maybe you have to make a choice. Some people did set up at both. I think they were selling different things. But the Xenia Toy Show in Xenia, Ohio, which is uh, once in the spring and once in the fall, uh, that was Saturday, and then the Cincinnati Toy Show was at its customary Sunday morning spot. Um, Xenia has um, an early access opportunity for limited numbers of people, um, and I was very lucky, frankly, thanks to your tip, David, um, to, uh, to enjoy that chance to go up there on Friday afternoon and just sort of peruse seven buildings full of tables <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was, it was wow. yeah, it's like the county fairgrounds, right? And um, yes. these are like livestock barns or, you know, you know uh, 4-H kind of setups and things like that. They like just fill them with tables. And not everybody was set up, you know, early Friday. I think they had till 10 to get everything set. But you got a good lay of the land and a good idea of what was going to be there. Um, and it was, you know, if you were a Star Wars collector, you know, you probably weren't going to walk away with like incredible volumes of things. But as a toy show goes, the variety of the toy lines that they were offering there was just immense. And again, it's 600 some tables stretched over seven buildings. Like, <laughs> If you can't find something there, I don't know what to tell you, you know? Um, so
0: did you find anything for your collection?
1: So I did. Um, my first day there, it was weird. I kept seeing things that I wanted my kids to have. Like I bought them this <laughs> random like road safety board game that just is like a big like roadmap that I think my son will probably go crazy for. And then when I was really young, there was this Tomy digital game called Blip. It was like this red LED based tennis game. It was like it was like a handheld Pong. Um, some guy had that for 30 bucks and it worked. And I was like, you know what? My kids will love this. They don't have Nintendo. They don't have uh Xbox or anything like that. This will be like, you know, perfect for them. Um, but I was looking in, in Xenia for, um, ideally I wanted to find some pre-production related to the 30th anniversary Macquarie line, which is very, very difficult to find. I mean, I know a couple people that have some, but, they're incredibly also, difficult yes it's it's as modern stuff goes it's extremely challenging um there was definitely some power of the force 2 pre-production there's definitely some saga and legacy pre-production at xenia but there was one booth i went to and uh, a seller had um a saga han i think it came with the headset um and he's kind of like in this sort of like leaning position. And that was in a baggie with like all of its, it was all of its pieces. I mean, it was amazing how many pieces there were. He also had a saga Han Hoff That was really cool. That again was broken into like 30 pieces. Um, so he was showing those to me and then I looked in the case next to it. Um, and I said, Hey, can I see that slide right there? (laughs) And again, you know, um, transparencies and slides are kind of my thing. So, I just saw this slide sitting there um, in his case beside him. I said, You know, these prototypes are cool, but can I see that slide? And then, so he showed it to me. And it was a Star Wars um, display, right? Like a planogram. Um, How Kenner would suggest a store would display their toys on an end cap, essentially, of their store. Um, and this it was a little slide image, um, it had a little bit of text at the bottom and then the top had a header I assume from 1979 because it was a Boba Fett header on this slide that I would never seen before it was kind of like blue and it had 21 figures on it and then it had Boba Fett in, on the yellow background but kind of set off to the side I was like well that's really interesting and because I have some other slides related to store displays from the period of 79 to 83 essentially so I said hey how much for this he goes I don't know 20 bucks <laughs> I was like, Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm trying not to like grab my money too fast, right? But of course. So that was, I mean, it was a small find as fines go. But I mean, yeah, that was. That was really right in my wheelhouse, and something I'd never seen before. With images in the slide of things I'd never seen before, sure, like you know Luke on a card and Darth on a card, and the 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 Millennium Falcon with the Star Wars box. That was all in the display, but that header too, um, that I'd never seen, was like, oh, it made it even more special. And then the price was incredibly right on that. So.
0: That that sounds like a perfect pickup for you, yeah. you know, and especially that you have a love for for the slides too, and an appreciation for them.
1: Pickups that essentially um, can be like the size of a bookmark are really good for me because you know I'm flying across country and you know I'm not going to be able to fit a uh, uh, you know Imperial attack base or a Millennium Falcon box in my suitcase. So that was the perfect little thing, you know. Like if it can, it can if everything I buy can fit in a grocery bag, I'm all fine for that. So. <laughs>
0: yeah and it's uh it sounds like uh the cost of of that piece was cheaper than groceries right now, yes. too. so congratulations
1: Excellent point. yeah <laughs> you're not wrong.
0: How was Saturday night for you at the room sales? because um at Cincinnati, every saturday night the the night before the actual Cincinnati show, um a group of collectors will get together. At a hotel in the lobby, and we'll have these lobby sales where they'll just bring items, a lot of times rare pieces, pieces that you wouldn't normally see for sale, and uh, and they either buy, sell, trade.
1: Yeah. Um, so we started a little bit earlier this year than last year. I think it started the, – the hotel greenlit us starting at 8 p.m., Um, the hotel where these sales happen, there's a lobby and then you go past the elevators and there's this sort of like wide eating area, um, where they have a buffet seven nights a week. But once that's cleared out, you just have tables and chairs everywhere and benches and things. Um, so it was interesting, like a week before we all went, you know, everybody kind of assumed this sale was going to happen, but. No one had actually, like, talked to the hotel. So I volunteered to call the hotel Monday of the, of the week we were going, you know, six days early to say, like, hey, we got a lot of people that are going to be sitting in your hotel this week, probably for the Cincinnati Toy Show. Would you mind if we just took over your back lobby like, for, <laughs> you know, whatever? And they said, well, we can't guarantee you're going to have it to yourself, um, but as long as you don't go in there while we're cleaning up for dinner – It's fine. So, anyway, eight o'clock was the time they gave us. And so people started coming in right then and setting up. um, You know, um, Todd, I remember this like Todd Chamberlain came in and uh, he had some cases of things and bins of things. And I think that the sale had been going on probably for 30 minutes at that point. So, everything that was there, most people had been able to circulate and see. And so then Todd shows up and he has like these three cafe tables lined up and he's just pulling things out one at a time. And, um, <laughs> there were like a dozen people around just, you know, you could see the drool coming out of the corner of their mouths, like little wolves, like waiting to see what was the, of course
0: right. it's what we live for. Yeah, That's
1: exactly. So then it was funny because then Sean Lemkul showed up maybe 30 minutes after Todd, after Todd had been going and he had a similar setup of, all this mask pre-production and all these other sort of things that for them are extra superpowers and some star Wars and things like that. So it was the same thing. Like, and it's like the Sean moment where he's emptying out a box and people are looking over everything. And so, um, you know, I, I couldn't really tell, like if there were a lot of sales going on, I brought a few things on my own and I was very fortunate. These were all things that I had in my storage. Um, and again could you know I think I wrapped them up in some beach towels and put them in my suitcase but um there were some graded things that I just don't display and I felt like well if I'm not displaying them maybe that someone else would be happier with them and, and give them a better home so I laid out probably 7 items on a table and two people came by and bought them all like literally bef- like right when they hit the table it was amazing um I've never had it like that right
0: no, because then that gives you uh, ample opportunity to just focus on on shopping and hanging out with people. Then
1: yes, exactly. It was perfect. Um, I think at that moment I had more money with me than I would brought. Right, so that's a very. I'm not you know going to look that gift horse in the mouth because it was just an no the- <laughs> part of events. But so yeah, it was mostly like I think it was probably as much socializing as it was buying and perusing, um, which was fine because again. The gathering aspect of it is, you know, infinitely more fulfilling, in my opinion, um, than the accumulation aspect of it. Right? Um, my collection, I try to confine it to a certain space, and it's not a small space. Like I'm very blessed in that respect. But you know, I collect to my curation. I guess if, there, if that makes any sense. I when I when I get something. I always say in my mind, will this fit in my display and both space wise, but also philosophy wise and thematic or, or focus wise. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, not, not everybody collects that way and I can respect all collectors. Um, but for me,
0: no, but that's a really, that's a mature approach that you have. And I think it, it probably makes your collection. Um, it, it it probably makes it better for you as a collecting experience and as a as a display because it's all stuff that that works well together and stuff that you want to to put into those cabinets or, or that display.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It also helps me like keep things organized in my mind a little bit better. You know, like I have a very short list. Like it's nice to have a short list of things that you're really looking for or after, and you know, it's it's hard to. Take things off that list at times. Um, but the quest is never ending. Right. So, um, uh, so yeah, like I, that's just me as a collector. Uh, it works for me and, and I'm not saying it should work for everybody, but it works for me. And so, um, I approach things with that in mind as well.
0: Outside of the, the, the sales and the shows, um, was there a, a special moment that you encountered, um, with, with our collecting friends?
1: Um, just really kind of getting to know people a little bit better. Um, you know, people, uh, we tend to warm up to each other pretty quickly, right? You never really know. Like some of the, some of the, some folks are total strangers. Um, some folks you just know from their Facebook name, right? Um, but there was just, it was, I just found it to be like a constant situation where there's always someone to spend time with. Right, um there wasn't a lot of stress or I gotta be in too many pl- like like at a Star Wars celebration, right when I go to celebration, I like to go to panels, right I'm not just like looking to hang out on the collecting floor the whole time, but at a celebration, you feel like there's always somewhere you need to be <laughs> or lined up or you know sort of gauging um whereas this weekend was just you could kind of float through and let everything come to you and let things happen. Um, And there was always something or somebody that was there to talk to or hang out with or have a meal with or or run off and get something to eat or, or, you know, just visit with. So um, it was, it was, it was a very busy weekend in terms of visiting collections and doing these two toy shows that are, very large toy shows that have a lot of interest and long lines, potentially. Um, we were really Xenia, the way they do it, you can kind of avoid lines, generally speaking. Um, but, um, you know, you could kind of, kind of gum and go as you please a little bit. There was no feeling of, Oh, I got, you know, I'm missing out on something or I gotta be here. It was just so casual, um, that, that kind of, you know, was nice.
0: Yeah. I always find that the ones that are a little more relaxed where there are a number of things to do, but you don't feel, as you said, like we do at celebration where we, we can't tell if we're coming or going yeah. at, at yeah. points. Um, those are always really like the, the nicest trips. And, um, I know I saw a picture of, uh, of one of the meals. I think it was either a Friday night meal, uh, somewhere around there, you mm-hmm. know, where people were just gathered together and eating and I love those those types of experiences as well too I think that really adds to the richness of a collector's trip yeah
1: we went to a brew pub and there were people that have known each other for years and people who were just meeting and it just all sort of clicked right everybody was in a good mood um it was relaxed um and, and it was great um and then like even in Xenia there were people sitting around picnic tables eating hot dogs and french fries, and um, you know, it was just so low key, you know what I mean? Um, so, so it was nice. It was just nice.
0: So is it on your calendar for next year?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I should say um, the two shows will not be together next year. I don't remember when the next, the, there is a Xenia show, I think in March, but the the fall Xenia show, I don't know if I've seen a date, but the Cincinnati toy show, just if anybody listening wants to mark this down is October 29th, 2023. So a little bit later next year, um, I could see myself going again. I'd love to make it an annual thing, honestly. Like, it's great. Um, it's a little bit close to Halloween. So I don't know if I can sell it at home, but, you know, 20, you still have two days, right? So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's the date for the Cincinnati show for 2023. I would love to go back. Um, it's, it's really, really enjoyable. Um, and it's, like I said, it's low key. And even if you're not there to fill a crate of new items for your collection, they're just going to be really great people to visit with and talk Star Wars with and talk collecting with and and that kind of thing. So it's worth it.
0: Well, Dan, it sounds like it was the perfect beginning to your birthday weekend uh, for the special birthday. So, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that that's, that's how you're going to remember this week. I think that that's wonderful. I'm glad you got to see uh, the people that you mentioned because you know so many of them are are so special and uh, it, it's truly for us we rarely are able to all be in the same room or to all be at an event so when something like this happens and we have an entire weekend together uh, it's one of those that it is very hard uh, to to not be a part of it and I know uh, for many of us who weren't able to go we were we were missing that so I'm glad you're able to experience it and have such a wonderful time
1: yeah it was great it was great it was worth the trip for sure
0: well, fantastic. Well, we'll make sure that uh, that next year, uh, two days before Halloween, hopefully we'll be in Cincinnati. Sounds great. David Kevin White. Some people may know you as Jimmy Tupac. Most people will probably know you as Jimmy Tupac. Uh, to me, you will always be Sir James. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Glad to be on the podcast.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm so glad to be talking to you about it because I've been dying to hear your perspective on this weekend. Uh, because as you know, I wasn't able to go and I, I sincerely missed it. And uh, it sounded like you had a wonderful trip.
2: Yeah, I sure did. So this past weekend, uh, the weekend of uh, September 30th through October 2nd was the Cincinnati and Xenia Toy Shows in Ohio. And just so so your listeners know, uh, I've been collecting as an adult since 1999, and I've been to every single Kane County, also known as Chicago, toy show since 1999, and a number of the Wizard Worlds and C2E2s in Chicago, and some smaller uh, toy fairs and toy shows throughout Wisconsin, and four- of the Cincinnati toy shows and many of the celebrations. So I kind of have this background in mind uh, in describing my fourth visit to Cincinnati. When was your first visit? My first visit was about 10 years ago. Uh, I My second visit was five years ago and most recently three years ago, right before COVID. Oh,
0: okay. Perfect. Yeah. My first one was probably your second one around 2017 and, um, it was a really interesting experience. You know, it's, it's nice to be able to, to get out to a show like that, uh, because it really is more than a show. You know, it's, it's a time where, uh, people from all over collectors, um, from, from different States and different countries come in to, uh, to hang out for a weekend together. So, um, what, what made this one really special for you?
2: Well, I was looking forward to this, because as you said, it's more than just the Cincinnati toy show. In fact, that's honestly a pretty small part of it it's this idea of getting to visit Kenner country uh, getting to see the mural and the Kroger building uh, I'll never forget on this particular trip we had the Canadian contingent with us uh, Toby Black Chris Porteous, and Jim McCullum, also known as Jimmy Mack and I was riding with Jimmy Mack and uh, if, if he was in Cincinnati it was a long long time ago this may have been his first time uh, but he just exclaimed with glee he said oh my god there's it. there's the Kroger building. That's where Kenner was and he was just like 5 years old again and it was just cool to see that cuz I remember that feeling the first time I saw it. So it's being in Kenner country, it's the allure of maybe finding some kind of cool Star Wars Kenner item whether pre-production or production or in just something in the wild for cheap, whether it be at, you know, one of the antique stores or Uh, You know, one of the the stores like the toy department, which is Chris Neal's store uh, or the show itself. And at this time we had in the same weekend, the Xenia toy show, which I had never attended and the Cincinnati toy show. So you got two for one.
0: And this was the first weekend
2: that that happened, correct? I think so. I don't think this has happened before. Did you attend both shows? I did. I sure did. So I'll tell your listeners a little bit about my experience. There, there were three things that I really enjoyed about my trip, and I will I will rank them in order uh, from the best uh, to to the least. And th- the best was I had the privilege of being invited to see three super collections: uh, David DeMarcus in Indiana, the Lemkool Brothers, who have set up what they call a museum, and truly. In a, a new new air, a new venue, really beautiful, and uh, Steve Fink, I got to see his uh, toy inventors workshop and uh, his own personal collection. So just to see those three, the museum quality pieces that you rarely even see online, but to see those in person, blew my mind. It was amazing. Uh, it was hours of just staring, asking questions. And that would have made the trip alone worthwhile. Uh, Part two is the socializing. So I'd mentioned Kenner country and looking for toys, but it's a Mecca for collectors from around the country and internationally. So sometimes from overseas, but in this case, Canada. And it's folks getting together, hanging out, telling stories, catching up, seeing people you haven't seen since celebration or other gatherings. Of course, room sales or hotel lobby sales. People bring their own stuff. And uh, just the camaraderie or sharing a drink. And I would say that to me was the the second most important aspect of the trip. And then the third, which is probably what your listeners want to hear about, what was at the shows, the the shows themselves. Uh, I could have skipped the shows and been perfectly content. But of course, I I didn't do that. I want to see if I could find some stuff. And so Saturday morning... I set off early to get there for uh, early. Buying the show opens at 9. And you can uh, pay $5 more to get in as an early buyer at 8 o'clock, uh, which I did. And uh, see if you can't get first crack at the things. As people say, the early bird catches the worm. And my friend Pete Fitzky had mentioned to me that uh, his impression was that it was a really big show, much bigger than Cincinnati. And we had a little friendly debate about which is the bigger show, Xenia or the Kane County toy show in St. Charles, Illinois, outside of Chicago. And honestly, it's, it's pretty close. I, I think, and I'm biased, but I think the Kane County shows a little bit bigger. Um, but they both were you know, in the same league. Xenia had seven buildings uh, just like Kane County has seven buildings. And I would describe the buildings as in Xenia three medium-sized buildings, and four small buildings. The buildings at Kane County, I would describe as two ultra-large buildings, two medium buildings, and three small buildings. So I think just the the sheer square footage, in my mind's eye, uh, Kane County has more. And it seemed like there were more tables, but it's kind of tough. So for your listeners who are, are, are not sure... Uh, definitely, if you're looking for a big show, Xenia and Kane fit the bill. Uh, Cincinnati is more of a boutique show. It's it's smaller, just with just one building.
0: So what time did you arrive to Xenia on Saturday?
2: So I got to Xenia, I actually got there a little bit early, about 7.45, and got in at 8 o'clock. And I was able to uh, go through all of the buildings, probably got through about half of the show before The rest of the public came in at 9 o'clock for the regular tickets. And it was really interesting to to see what was for sale and what the prices were. And I, I love overhearing some of the conversations of the buyers, but also the vendors. And I was hunting for vintage Star Wars. I'm primarily a collector of production, Kenner Star Wars, carded and boxed but also loose. Um, But on the side, I'm always looking for Micronauts and vintage G.I. Joe. And I'll even dabble in Battlestar Galactica. And then with my 10-year-old son, Andrew, we both collect uh, the modern Hasbro Star Wars line. We're openers. We open it all and we build dioramas and we even make custom figures. And I want to share a story with you just so I don't forget I mentioned custom figures. Uh, One of my friends is a Warren Raybird, And I last saw Warren three years ago, and we got to talking about this, you know, making custom figures with my son and looking for any kind of loose figures, pieces, hands and heads and accessories. And he said, you know, I've got a bunch of that stuff. Maybe the next time we get together, uh, you can buy it. And so sure enough, we met at the room sales, and he has this... Garbage bag. It must have had like forty <laughs> pounds of parts, oh all gosh. decapitated heads, hands, random legs. And he said, "I've been saving this for you for three years, man." <laughs> I said, "Thank you. That's, that's great." And I looked through it. And I was like, "Yeah, this is this is wonderful." And I, I got distracted and I got to talking to some friends. And I ended up uh, going outside where some of the friends were smoking. I don't smoke, but they do. And someone came out, and they're like, David, they're like, Warren's in a panic. He's looking for you. He, he thinks you've left without your bag of garbage. I mean, parts. <laughs> <laughs> and so I came back in, and he was so relieved that we could finally do the deal. We you know, we agreed on a price, and I, I took that bag of parts uh, away. And he, I think he was very relieved to see it go.
0: Only to a collector would a yes. garbage bag of Star Wars figure parts considered heaven and i I understand that feeling completely
2: yeah so my son and i will have at least a couple of years of fun with that you know putting together and building some of the figures that maybe hasbro doesn't make Uh, ones Mm. from our own imagination
0: what did you think of the prices and the selection at xenia for vintage star wars and modern star wars
2: oh that's a great question Uh, one of the challenges for us collectors is that we're hunting for certain pieces that wherever we are in our stage of collecting, maybe we've got the easy ones, the common ones. And when you go to a show, sometimes that's what you see. Everybody's already got General Maydean and and Reyes, but there they are again at every show or Clatu. And so, you know, the the blue snaggletooth or the yak face or the, you know, the, the tri-logo Luke Bespin, you know, the ones that maybe you'd really like to get aren't Often there. And if they are there, uh, sometimes they're at eBay prices or even higher. And so that's what I found at Xenia. Uh, It's great that I collect different things. So I was able to pick up some of the Kenner mask vehicles, uh, seven of them uh, in used condition, but for five bucks each, which is really reasonable for my son. So I was able to get something vintage Kenner for a really reasonable price. But as far as carded or boxed Star Wars, there was plenty to see, but I felt the prices were were a bit too high. Uh, I was interested in uh, tri-logo figures, and I found uh, exactly four, uh, four of them that I already had. uh, And the prices were actually a little bit high. So if I hadn't had them, I probably would have passed. And I overheard a number of conversations with the, the vendors who were talking to each other because it was the, you know, the early hour where there weren't very many customers and saying, you know, this is going to sort of be the, the last big show before the recession hits. And uh, this is our, our last chance to get the high prices. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. So I think the expectation was really optimistic that the, the boom times of high prices during covid would maybe continue on through this show and i overheard buyers complaining about that that they were hoping that the sellers would be a bit more reasonable there were some things that i i looked at both modern and vintage and attempted to haggle with and there was there was no room for negotiation i think i heard the comment three times i could sell these at my shop all day long so i'm not coming down on the price <laughs> That's a trend I noticed as well is that a number of the, the vendors or tables had a sign, uh, you know, with the name of their shop. And so oftentimes, you know, we uh, toy hunters are looking for the, what I call the garage sale tables where maybe an elderly couple has got a bunch of vintage toys and they've decided to clean out the attic and let's just blow it all out uh, for reasonable prices. Or a fellow collector who's decided you know to sell part or all of their collection, and they know what it's worth, but they want to move it. You know they don't want to sell on eBay, so you know the prices are reasonable. Or the favorite is the the guy who says, "Yeah, I got all of this at an estate sale or a flea market. I only paid a hundred bucks for it all, so yeah, everything on the table is ten bucks." <laughs> sure. I did not find any of those types at all. Everyone knew what they had, and they wanted you know the the maximum for it. So. Uh, the only stuff I was able to do well on was uh, loose modern Star Wars. Those, those were pretty flexible and reasonable in their prices, but anything vintage was uh, actually pretty optimistic in their pricing.
0: I went to a show this weekend and I found that um, there was one table in the center of the room that had a ton of vintage Star Wars figures carded and loose and uh, some carded graded figures, and I had seen them at the last show where they had the same amount of stuff and it was all priced. uh, Basically, they kept the prices the same um, where I think the market has changed a little bit. And so people were walking by their table, but nobody was really purchasing.
2: Um,
0: Right. So My
2: strategy, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I usually look at three or four items on the table. And I have an idea in my mind what the market value is. And if those four random items that I've spot checked are at or above eBay prices, I usually move on to the next table. Because you only have a limited amount of time.
0: That's a really smart plan. Uh, and I'm, I'm, it's a really good idea, too, because you're right. If if a handful of items are at eBay prices, then probably the rest of it will be, too.
2: The other thing I would tell your listeners, if they're um, toy hunters, especially looking for a bargain, it's always good to speak up. So oftentimes I will ask the vendor if they have what I'm looking for. So it, it could be uh, Return of the Jedi 2-packs or Tri-Logo, carded. And surprisingly, they may have something that they hadn't put out on the table or I just hadn't noticed it. At other times, I will ask, you know, I'm I'm also looking for uh, loose, modern Star Wars figures, you know, to use in dioramas or customization. And I'm my price point is $5 a figure, especially if they're troopers. Do you have a bucket like that? And oftentimes they'll say, oh, yeah, I do. Here you go. So it's always good to ask, to, to let the vendor know what you're looking for, specific items or price point. And oftentimes you'll be surprised that they'll have it or they'll tell you, you know, uh, these carded uh, vintage collection uh, hasbro figures i've got them marked at twelve dollars each but they're not really selling you know nobody wants grief Karga or whoever it is and um or, or quill or the mithril so you know uh, yeah i'll sell those for seven bucks each yeah any of these here on in this pile i'll sell them so all it takes is asking
0: how did you find the room sales on saturday night
2: uh, great question Everyone was anticipating room sales because you never know what you're going to get. And compared to years in the past where they were amazing, I, I think that there were less people, both buyers and sellers, at this show in Cincinnati. And I think it reflected in the the total quantity and quality of the items for sale. So there were a couple of tables. There was uh, one guy with some counter-superpowers who's carded seemingly had every single one. And the Lemko brothers never disappoint. Uh, they always bring uh, some really high-quality items and, and lots of them. Uh, but the other tables were uh, pretty pretty meager. Uh, nice, nice folks, great offerings, and, and decent prices. But just not a lot to, to choose from. So I'll use an example of uh, tri- carded tri-logos. I didn't see any there.
0: I found um, last year's room sales were a little lacking as well, too, where people were showing up more with loose graded figures and production pieces and and, and things that we would normally see either at a show or anywhere else. Whereas in in previous years, certain really special items would pop up or, or people would bring things that they normally wouldn't share on a place like Facebook or eBay or even publicly.
2: Right. Yeah, I've been to some room sales like that as well. And I, this was not really, that wasn't the case at this room sales, but I do have to be fair. I got a garbage bag full of 40 pounds of (laughs) of figure parts. You don't find that every day.
0: No, that, and and that was saved over the course of three years. So that was really special. Very special. Um, so in addition to the shows, uh, I know that you, when you and I talked, you know, one of the things that really stuck out in my mind was that you, you had really focused on a lot of the special personal moments between uh, you and our friends, um, which, was, which was great. Can you give us an idea of a special moment that happened during that weekend uh, that maybe wasn't either show-related or collecting-related, but just, you know, just just among friends?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a beer story. Uh, I had the wonderful opportunity this summer to head out to the annual in Fishkill, New York. And along the way, I made a road trip out of it. My wife and I drove out there. I stopped at a number of collectors' houses on the way. And one of those was Joel Slater in Ohio. And he opened up his house to me and his collection. We had a wonderful little visit on the you know pit stop on the road trip. And one of the things he mentioned about my home state of Wisconsin is that he absolutely adores, he and his wife adore the craft beer uh, called Spotted Cow by New Glarish Brewing, which is only sold in Wisconsin. Uh, they will not sell it outside the state, which adds to its allure. And I, I kind of squirreled that information away in the back of my mind. So I knew Joel was coming to the Cincinnati show. Uh, so I brought with me uh, a case of that beer. And you should have seen his face. You <laughs> should have seen his face light up. Uh, he absolutely loved it. Uh, I brought extra because, of course, I didn't want anyone to be jealous. And uh, the the Georgia collectors, uh, like uh, Glenn Williams and Tony Johnson, they came along. And the main they didn't know anything about this beer, but Glenn's like, "Is it cold?" And I was like, "Yep." <laughs> and so everyone got to partake. But Glenn had a case to bring home to his dear wife, and so that was that was a really special moment.
0: That was really thoughtful of you, and, and that's. Um, it's not surprising either because of your kindness, but also because, uh, that's really what collectors tend to do. Um, I find that, that many collectors in our community are very thoughtful and, um, you know, in the same way that we, we kind of hone in on these details about the things that we collect. Um, I think we also really hone in on the details of, of those that we care about. And so that, that was a really nice way to, uh, to connect with Joel and he's a great guy.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, It was also great that there were uh, two fellow Cheeseheads that were there, uh, Steve Dwyer and uh, Joel Miney, uh, who are part of of my club here in Wisconsin. And so it was, like I said, we had the Canadians, we had the folks from Georgia, uh, we had some Wisconsinites. So it was was a good representation. So there were people there and we had a nice time together.
0: How was the Cincinnati show on Sunday morning
2: for you? Um... You know what's interesting about that show is I've been to it in the past, and I remember a show where where Steve Denny set up, and he was pulling out like two D items, uh, like uh, artwork or uh, you know uh, photo samples or who knows what. But it was cool stuff. Battle
0: wagon art, I
2: think, was one of them. That's the one. That's the one that I saw. Mm -hmm. And all of our friends were gathered around, you know, twelve deep. What's he pulling out next? What's he got there? (laughs) Uh, That that didn't happen at this show. Coming from Xenia the day before, I had been to the venue, and I knew it was small, but it just seemed even smaller. And it really, I, I spent about an hour on the floor walking around. I think I bought uh, six loose Star Wars vintage figures uh, just because they were five bucks each. I didn't really need them. But when R2-D2 and a Stormtrooper and Boba Fett, in a you know, decent condition, are five bucks, uh, you can't say no, <laughs> but that's all. That's all I picked up. Uh, I, I looked at some Battlestar Galactica stuff, um, but the prices were eBay or higher and he he wouldn't come down even $5. So I, I passed on that. So I ended up spending uh, the, the last, I spent an hour uh, looking and probably the second hour just visiting and talking with friends. And that was it. I was, I was done. And I noticed that as well, that a lot of our fellow collecting friends before 11 o'clock, they, they had gone home. And I think Glenn Williams was telling me that he stayed until about two o'clock and he said he was the only buyer on the floor. So it was a ghost town, definitely by two, but, but most folks, you know, had, you know, looked around and there, maybe there wasn't a lot to buy. I, I can't think of any of my fellow collecting friends that bought more than three or four items. And said, well, you know, we had a great time. It was great socializing and um, maybe better luck next year.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of our collector friends, they come to a weekend like this, and you know, maybe the focus tends to be on what's going to show up at room sales, or maybe they set up, you know, deals in, in private as well, you know, or prearrange to pick up items. And a lot of times, you know, the toy shows are part of the experience. Um, but are not really like the, the center of the experience, which I think is is great because, you know, you had the, the fortune of experiencing two toy shows in one weekend, a room sales, and then also all these meals and, um, you know, tours of people's homes and, and collections, which is just a, a fantastic way to spend a, a collector
2: weekend. Right. And I'll, I'll bring your listeners back to that important point that often we begin our, Collecting journey and just going after the toys. And after a while, we end up uh, accumulating experiences and stories and sharing those with others. And then we acquire friends. And in the long run, in the end, it becomes the friends are the reason why you're going to the destination, not so much the toys. Of course, I would have loved to have found, you know, a f- five or six two packs and five or six tri logos. But um, I I didn't mind because I was able to have all of these great experiences. I visited these amazing collections. I hung out with these wonderful friends. And I hit the toy shows, too, just in case.
0: Well, Sir James, it sounded like you had a fantastic time. I'm so glad that you got to do that and to experience it. And uh, will you be joining us uh, next year for Cincinnati?
2: I sure will. (laughs) So if you're listening... Uh, and you've got some cool stuff, um, you know, bring, bring it to the room sales, because uh, I, I, I would really love to see uh, next year's room sales just blow our minds. And bring
0: two-packs, right? Return That's the Jedi right. two-packs.
2: Bring, bring, your, bring your Tri-Logos <laughs> and your two-packs. Uh, some, yep. some of my buddies, uh, when they have a little bit too much to drink, uh, refer to me now as Jerry Tri-Logo. <laughs> so you, can, you can help keep the dream alive. Help me with that run.
0: All right, Sir Jerry, Sir James. It was fantastic talking to you, and I look forward to our next trip in Cincinnati.
2: Me too. Thanks a lot.
0: Stay tuned for part two of the Cincinnati Toy Show Weekend Series, where we'll talk to more of our fellow collectors and hear about their experiences in Kenner Country. The next episode will be out in a few days, so you won't have to wait too long. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Star Wars Prototypes and Production.